You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, smrnation.com. Well, welcome back to another episode of Sexy Marriage Radio, where once again, my wife is grooving to the new intro music. Yeah. It's not good radio. People can't see I it. I like but. this low groove. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Sexy Marriage Radio, where each and every week we try to jump on the air and help the nation just enhance what's going on in their married mm-hmm. life and we believe that the best sex happens in the marriage bed and we want everybody to feel the vibrancy of a passionate marriage yes we do and engaged lives because man we're in a world that has a lot going on yeah and it's pretty easy to get distracted and and lose focus and Intentionality. Or just get tired. <laughs> You're just so tired you can't, can't even. Says deal. the woman putting in really, really, really long days with tax season. Yep, I totally get it. It's all good. It's all good. Well, it's, it's all a matter of perspective. It absolutely is, and it's stuff that we know what's going on. I mean, mm-hmm. stuff is there's stuff that wars against our attention, and mm-hmm. so what well, what we want to try to do is just point back towards each other and point mm-hmm. back towards uh, better engagement with your own life mm-hmm. and then what you hold dear and what, what you're hoping to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of the ways we can do this is you let us know what's going on because it's a dialogue that happens here on the show. 214-702-9565 is our voicemail line. Call it, leave a voicemail, get you to the front of the line. Um, you can email us, make an audio of your question if you'd like to. Feedback at sexymarriageradio.com is how you find us in the inbox. And then we also ask you to jump on whatever platform you use. If there's a way that you can rate and review, leave a comment. Uh, if, you happen to, if you happen to be one of those that listens on Audible, leave a review. Um, because the reviews help spread the word mm-hmm. that married sex is a hotbed for good sex. And that's what we want to have happen across the globe. Mm-hmm. And we also want to have you join us in Indianapolis, June 23rd to the 25th. Uh, this is just a quick little friend, friendly reminder that um, the deadline for the early bird registration is a month away, April right. 15th. So if you want to take advantage of the cheaper registration rate, do so now, smrnation.com forward slash getaway. It's where you can find more and save your spot. Well, coming up on today's regular free version and the extended version, which we're putting all together today because the content is really good in the sense that um, it's not talked about enough. The it's prevalent, more prevalent than a lot of people believe. We've talked about this before in the history of SMR. What is it? What's talked about? I'm kind of teasing out the topic. I know you're killing me. And see, look at that. That's showmanship, baby. Jay Parker joins me today, who's a blogger, podcaster, speaker, author. And one of the things she's really landed on is the world of the higher desire wife. Okay. And so she joins me for a conversation. And it's something that we want to give a lot of uh, time to spend kind of Mm -hmm. exploring and discussing how she has seen this whole aspect and dynamic unfold in the work that she does. Okay. And the interactions she has with Higher Desire Women. She has a uh, platform that she's created just for that. Mm-hmm. And so this is an in-depth dialogue that we had on just her, her, what, what she's seen mm-hmm. and some pointers that she had. So we want to make the whole show available today because it's worth honoring um, what's not talked about a lot. And there's a lot of times where women we've had that email in and they feel like they're the only ones if they're in the Higher Desire yeah, category. that has been a that's been a common communication into the phones or email with women saying, "I'm higher desire. Mm-hmm. What do you have for me? Right? What do I do? Give I feel, me some I feel like numbers. a unicorn. Right? And you're not a unicorn. Right? But there there are some interesting dynamics mm-hmm. that are at play, and it's different when a woman is the higher desire. And so that's what we talk about today, and all that's coming up on today's show. Well, it is a honor and a privilege anytime I get a chance to have somebody join me on the show that has is walking down the same or similar path that I do in a lot of ways. And so Jay Parker is joining me again for Sexy Marriage Radio today uh, as an author, a speaker, she podcasts, she used to do blogging back when that's what we would do. Um, but it's just, you know, the words that Jay produces 
are are the kinds that uh, I mean, man, your site called Hot, Holy, and Humorous. That yes, that's the the name of the site and my whole ministry. So. Perfect, because that's that's what you kind of sprinkle in a lot of what we can be that life can it can and is all the way through. And you've always had a knack in doing that well, Jay. And so I'm, oh, I'm excited you. to have you back on the show to to go into a particularly not talked about enough subject, but is actually one that's more prominent than we need than we often realize. Uh huh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I have been talking more and more in the last few years about higher desire wives. Yep. And, and that's, that's uh, where that's... I want to go, because that's the one thing that we keep coming across as far as the SMR nation goes. I'll get these emails that come in and one wives that, that fit this category, if you will, mm-hmm. they, they think they're unicorns and anomalies. Because among their little peer group, typically, or their Bible study or whatever group they're a part of, they are the only one, it seems like. Um, But it's really not that unique as far as that numbers go and what research shows. What have have you found, too? Yeah, I've been looking into that, just how prevalent it is for higher desire wives. And you see numbers all the way across the the spectrum. I've seen everything from 10% to 50%. But honestly, when I really look at a lot of the research, it seems to me probably about 15 to 20% of marriages are currently now. Some of that may be changing also. I think that it's more prevalent in younger marriages. So uh, have have an idea why? Uh, Yeah, I think that, uh, well, I think honestly that virtual experiences have a lot to do with that just generally virtual experiences okay and so whether that's uh gaming or online pornography or just the way relationships are often kept alive through texting and social media and things like that i think that the pace of that and the experience of that can make interacting with a real life person a little more difficult mm-hmm. And I think a lot of women get beyond that because we are, we tend to be a little more relational. We tend to make friendships a little more easily Mm -hmm. and all of that. And so for men, I think it can be a little more difficult to get past those virtual experiences. And anyway, that's that's interesting because I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking this through and it makes complete sense because there's this element of, I think, generally speaking and stereotypically speaking in some ways, and I know we're going to probably have to land in that. Let me go ahead and put the, the little appendix out there of, Hey, this is a stereotypical conversation we're having. That's not applicable. There's always exceptions, right. To every oh, yeah. situation. You always say check with your spouse. <laughs> right. Um, but it is one of those that I can see it as women when it comes to social media and their different virtual avenues or mediums, largely mm-hmm. probably or have more of a bent towards it's relationally driven, right? It's connecting to people. It's keeping up with what's going on. There's a relational bent to it. But if you add in the component of, of gaming, which I don't know the, the size of male versus female uh, of users in that regard of who, who really is participating in consuming online gaming in a lot of ways, but I know it's largely more male bent. It's, it is more male. I don't Ad, know what the percentage is. Adolescent, either, adolescent male, particularly. Um, but I raised two sons. so. <laughs> well, I'm raising one, um, but it, and he spends his time on the games. He's connecting with his friends while he's playing the games, but I don't think mm-hmm. the primary driver is to connect with his friends while he's playing. I think that's a benefit or a bonus. Right where it could be the difference that might be flipped with women, as you're describing, of maybe there's this bent of, I'm going to get on to connect and relate and all of that more so than conquer or rule, (laughs) whatever whatever particular game might be. And I think that men tend to be more driven toward uh, online experiences that change often, that shift often. So gaming does that. Um, And I know obviously online pornography is a huge problem. Uh, And it used to be that you had to seek it out. Now you have to block it out. Yep. And so there are just a lot of people raised, uh, you, you know, just having been exposed. Right. Whether they sought it out or not, but then it can, you know, just happen that you're seeing all kinds of different experiences and, 
and just the kinds of things that men do online, I think tend to give those uh, a lot of variety mm-hmm. and all those kinds of dopamine hits. Mm-hmm. And uh, in your what your brain reward center, you're the psychologist. I yep. no, I got you. I you're took, on. Like, you're doing you're one doing course great. that talked about dopamine, but yep. you can fill in anything I get wrong. <laughs> but I just think all those kinds of things do lend themselves to some men, younger men, maybe just not having the same kind of understanding and expectations. And so they get into a sexual situation and it doesn't have those same Mm -hmm. dopamine highs. You Mm -hmm. actually have to do it for a while for her to get excited. (laughs) You have to engage for a while. You know, there's uh, some... It, sex is very gratifying, but it's not instant gratification. Right. And and the flip side of that coin, and I think this is in every situation, there is an element of a sexual encounter has certain levels of anxiety and even fear or unknown mm-hmm. that can come along with it, particularly early on, because it's like, I don't know what I'm getting into with this. I don't know, you know yeah. what was depicted or what I thought growing up is not at all what actually is in some ways. Granted, there's still a penis in the vagina and we kind of know the inner workings, of that, but I don't <laughs> yeah. know the person of who that is and they don't know who they are and there's exposure to it. And there's, and so I can see a lot of times, and this is the thing that I keep coming across with men is recognizing the fears they can have when it comes to their sexuality and their sex drive and how it actually right. plays out. And a lot of times men will have more of a tendency. If I have a chance or a likelihood of failure in something, I will avoid it. And so therefore, if it's anxiety provoking and it could be unsatisfactory, well, why would I have a higher desire to want to go after it? Right. I think that's a big aspect. And a lot of times when you start talking about this subject and people say things like, well, you could just flip the advice and, um, right. And, and you really, and the, yeah, but you really, you really can't, really can't. There's some <laughs> things that there are similarities for sure between hard drive husbands and hard drive wives, but there are these aspects that are kind of different of how we take those things in. So I don't know many wives who say that they're not interested in sex because they don't think they're a good lover. Like they feel like they will, you know, they'll figure it out or they're, their husband's just going to be interested anyway or whatever. Right. I think that's a big part for, for men. And I also think just generally media has played a big part in that for the younger generations, because again, I'm going to, I'm in my fifties. So I'm Gen X. And when I was growing up, the TV just stopped at midnight. There was no more TV. And even then there were only like four or five channels and a lot of it was stuff aimed at my parents. I mean, I wasn't going to be watching the nightly news or something. Right. Whereas now that's 24 hours of TV shows, movies, videos, everything. And so where it used to be that even if sex was unrealistically depicted in just a basic TV show, that was still only an hour or two of a day. Right. And you had many other interactions with people. Right. To balance that. And now your whole sense of what sex is like could come from a whole bunch of TV shows that show things like, well, it takes her two seconds to get aroused or for higher drive wives. What we've seen is he's always interested. Right. Or if you even, you know, take the shoulder, you know, expose a bare shoulder, he's raring to go. Right. And those things are not accurate. Right. So then it comes down to, I guess, probably one of the best ways we can have this dialogue to help the people that would that it impacts the most, because this is both sides uh-huh. of the equation too, right? And, and yeah. this is probably how we're, we're going to try to dovetail it on what you just mentioned, that you can't just flip the advice. Because right. you can, and, and tell me if I'm off on it, because you're the one that's more versed in this with, with some of the work you've done and are doing right now than I am, absolutely, of some of the advice that I can think of immediately that where the dynamics are still at play is the higher desire of person, male or female, <laughs> is still responsible for a majority of the initiation component because they're the ones that are interested in it more. Then, right. So it's the same dynamic of, well, if I just don't initiate, my lower desire partner will. And no, 
probably not. <laughs> they might, yeah. but not, not, that's not fail safe. Right. But what are some of the things that we can't just flip that we need to talk specifically about when it comes to a wife who is the higher drive? Well, I think how to initiate is okay. different for sure. Uh, so there's a lot of advice given to higher desire husbands about how they can, you know, build a lot of foreplay throughout the day and they can, um, you know, set the stage and they can invite her and they can also tend to be a little more um, assertive in initiation. Whereas a lot of higher desire wives, they've been acclimated to this idea that he initiates. Right. And so it's a lot harder to get the gumption up. And then she'll maybe do a lot of clues and hints. And yep. um, you're a guy. How well do you pick up on yeah, all the it, hints? It's, it's, too, it's too subtle. Yeah, it's like, too subtle. It's blowing yeah, my path. Yeah. Yep. And so there are plenty of guys who are like, wait, what? You were initiating sex? I didn't know that's what that was. Yeah. And so I do think that... Uh, higher desire wives have to learn a different way of initiating. Okay. And they also have to do it in such a way that uh, honors uh, honors his manhood. Because I think that if you then just start trying to become the person who's going to, well, I'm just going to initiate like a guy would. Well, some guys will respond to that in ways that it just makes them feel a little less masculine. Okay, And so I think you have to figure out that way to do it where uh, flirtation but very obvious flirtation can be a good thing. Okay. Also, one of the things that really made a difference in my marriage, and I actually have a blog post about this, is that flipping that switch from initiation to availability. So this idea of just saying, hey, I'm really interested in being with you tonight. And I right. just want you to let you know I'm available. And that can kind of say it's a way of initiating, but it really kind of also puts it over into his court so that he can be part of making that happen. Okay. And that's, this is built on the idea of he's not a real low desire. He still has quite a bit. Well, yeah, he has some desire. Sure. Right. He still, he still has some interest there. Cause I come across dynamics where it's the husband that is a low It's not a no desire, but it is really low. And uh -huh. I don't, I, my immediate thought is ah, availability. He knows that <laughs> in some regards already, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But what I find is that if he knows that she's generally interested and then she comes around and starts to initiate some, some lower drive husbands read that as pressure. Okay. As a, and where you, if you just say, uh, say, Hey, I'm available tonight. I would really like to tonight. Okay. Then that's saying I'm, I'm asking for this. I want to do it, but I'm not pressuring you. Okay. So at, at least I'm not coming on to you no, these are with, some nuances. With, with a lot of pressure. Cause there is this element of there's always pressure. And that's my right. belief. Cause I think most couples try to think that we can find this. We can thread the needle of, I can take away the pressure of the dynamic. And I don't think you can. Yeah. Because it's yeah. just a known quandary, quandary between the two people involved, regardless but, of what role you're playing. But I, but don't you think the pressure can be increased or decreased somehow? Absolutely. Yeah, you could get it to a point where, I mean, if you yeah. think of it like the bell curve, right? That the extremes right. are the parts where we, we want to avoid and it's not going to happen in a lot of things. But we stay in the middle and we got a lot of play, play area in that, actually. That some yeah. is just a natural dynamic. Some can be, yeah, I came on too strong there. Or... I, yeah, I failed in how that went because this is the way it goes. I think with a yeah. lot of whoever is the instigator of an encounter, if it fails, sometimes I can instigate it in a way that almost it, it's a preconceived it's going to fail because it's the way I came about it, right? I, and I, but I can blame right. her or him as yeah, but you're never and it's like yeah, hold on, there's there's something else that's going on here, and that's kind of the difference I think we're talking about here is that you know, how you go about it and what, what's going to get a no is going to be a little bit different for a lower drive wife and a lower drive husband. Okay. So I think that, um, now there's some similarities, like there are plenty of lower drive husbands who really want more relational stuff, who really want more romance, who want those mm -hmm. kinds of things to build up. So that's certainly out there, but I think there are also 
plenty of situations where that kind of stuff will work very well with a lower desire wife, just really investing in all the other things that make her feel loved before mm-hmm. you engage. And I think though, for some lower drive husbands, it can be a little bit different. Like what my get a know is, is doing a whole bunch of, Hey, I did all this romance and all this. And cause he immediately feels like this is about sex. Right. And I just think that those kinds of things, or it's just not something that speaks to him. It's right. not the thing that speaks to him. And so trying to find out what that thing is that speaks to him. And so sometimes this uh, availability thing can speak to him sort of being her hero. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. as in, Hey, I really, I really desire you. I really like this. I'm available. I really want you to come into this space and, and you, you know, I want it more than you do, but I'm available for you to come be my hero mm-hmm. and, and do that with me. Okay. So I, you know, that might speak to someone out there. Let's hope. No, it does. I, I think it, I think <laughs> it would, because some of it is, and again, I think the, the word that you touched on earlier is that there's, this is nuanced in it, yeah. right? Because we can't be broad brush of, Hey, all you hire desire wives out there. Here's step one. Here's step two. Here's step <laughs> if only, three. Right. <laughs> I can't do that for higher desire husbands either. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right? Because it's too nuanced and it's too unique to the people that are involved and the situations that are involved. Because what you tried one point of being a, Hey, I'm available in this. And it worked really, really well. And then you try it again a couple of weeks later or a month or two later, and it bombs horribly because there's mm-hmm. other circumstances involved. It's not just lean right. in the way we do life like that. So I think it's just kind of recognizing how do each of us recognize the nuance of my situation, how I've gone about this in ways that have been close to good or good. How have I gone about this in ways that have just not been good, right? I have come on too strong. It has been too pressured. I haven't handled rejection. Well, because that's the other question I want to ask you. Um, Do women in, in this dilemma of the higher desire wife, do they handle and deal with rejection differently than when a male is the higher desire? I believe they do because the vast majority of the culture says that if a woman is at all desirable, she will be desired by her husband. Okay. And so when her husband rejects her, not only is it that moment of feeling rejected in the relationship, but she immediately goes to what's wrong with me. Okay. So it affects kind of, I've more often heard from higher desire husbands that when their wives don't engage, they think what's wrong with her, <laughs> which maybe is not, not entirely okay. true, but, but I've often heard that, like, why doesn't she want this? And, but whereas higher desire wives, tend to immediately go to what's wrong with me why doesn't he want me and then the the next thing that a lot of higher desire wives do is try to amp up their sensuality and sexuality and make it more obvious right and uh you know do the things that are suggested go get yourself the sexy lingerie and strut and whatever and flirt and then it's even and then when that fails right you're even worse into the, what is wrong with me Right. that, and, and so many women immediately, you know, start thinking that there's something wrong with their body. There's something wrong with, you know, how they come across or it's just, so I think if they take it, well, both of them take it personally, I was about to say they take it personally, but of course higher desire husbands take it personally when they are rich. Absolutely. And I think, I think that's the whole point. I think context matters because I think you can do some one-offs with husbands in this dilemma of what, why would she not want this? And it's more focused on the rejection of, of her doing, but I think what I've experienced and what I hear Uh uh, from clients and listeners is when there's a long season of rejections, it does start to get into the, well, what's wrong with me? Why would you not? Yes. And, and I think, again, this is that undercurrent or overt that we all live within that this should be happening in our marriages, right? That there right. should be sex going on, 
that the husband should be the one leading the charge in it, that if she's going to be, you know, serving and honoring and want it to, you know, there's so many different components that we have to really poke holes and challenge a lot of these beliefs because mm-hmm. that's the, if I was to kind of put a whole one word that comes to my mind when we, as, as I think through our conversation thus far, Jay, is this is just really trying to re-examine beliefs that based on the role that the, the situation you find yourself in, right? Right. Of, I got, I got to examine, okay, wait, what if there's actually nothing wrong with me that I want this more than my spouse? What if there's not wrong with that? What do I do with right. that? That can change everything rather than, well, there's something wrong with me. Cause then I got to go find the solution about whatever it is is wrong. And that's what marketing wants. That's what. <laughs> well, and you, and you've probably seen the research too, that says that couples who anticipate challenges as part of sexual intimacy together, just weather them better. Right. And um, if you have these expectations that you're just going to get married and everything's going to be swimmingly terrific and you're going to be matched and you live happily ever after in the bedroom. Right. And you're not prepared. Now, I know some people are dealing with extreme challenges, sexless marriages, and that's that's of a different ilk. But, you know, it's normal to have some differences in drive. And it's normal for that to be the wife. It's not necessarily the typical. If you, you know, just take the typical, right. it's not going to be that. But if you're saying 15, even 15% of marriages, that's like one in six marriages, or as I've talked about, about 15% of people in the United States have green eyes. Okay. I have green eyes. I have never had anyone say, whoa, that is so weird. Your green eyes. (laughs) (laughs) So why, why do we think that it's abnormal? that there will be situations where she wants it more than he does. Right. Right. So then it just comes down to, I guess, what is, what are the best things she can do to put herself in a situation Mm -hmm. that present the most opportunity that, that allow her to honestly seek what it is she's interested in and, and express that in manners. That's not too much but not too little. I mean, that's, that's kind of the plight of all of us and what it regards the topic in some ways, <laughs> but right. You know, so when you're thinking through this still, um, what are some of the other nuances that, that jump out if there are, when it, when it comes to this kind of a dilemma for a wife? So I think one of the things that I have found is so important is, is that not feeling alone, understanding that it's normal. And I think that embracing that to begin with is key and then figuring out what to do next. Okay. And then when you start looking at the nuances, I think that the reasons for why a wife has a very low drive and the reasons for why a husband has a very low drive can be different. And so once you start looking at those reasons, then you can start figuring out where to go from there. Okay. Um, so like I said, you know, I've, there've been very, I don't know if there've been anybody ever written me to say, you know what, I can't get my wife to stop gaming and make love with me, but I do hear that from wives. Um, also I know some people will say, oh, well, if he's got a low drive, it must be low testosterone. Okay. That's, that actually can be true. So that is something that should be checked. And that's, you know, you're not usually going to have that happening with a wife, but that's not usually what it is. (laughs) So, um, but, but some of the other reasons that, that he might, and I think that that we overlook this a lot. Stress is a big one. Huge. Huge. And I think in particular, the way that men experience stress particularly in the, their middle ages. So there are a fair number of women who were not the higher drive spouse, but became so yep. as they aged. And I think a lot of that is that men reach the certain level with their careers and their families and their households that they being men built how they are, feel an enormous amount of responsibility that weighs down on them and they can get very focused on being the provider and taking care of all these things and future focused and 
all of that weighs heavy as stress. It's a different kind of stress than lower desire wives face, okay. which is often surrounds um, more, you know, raising the kids and taking right. care of all the, all the things that you need, the family calendar. That's yeah, managing. It's managing the everything key. that's, that's going on yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. But I think a lot of times men also just soak in that stress and keep it to themselves. And so their wives don't even know how much stress they're carrying and how much that is impacting their ability to engage sexually. Okay. So. No, I I don't know if you've seen that. I think think that's saw that with clients. Yeah. I think that's an important component because a lot of what is going on when, when, and some of this, I think, probably applies to both genders that are the lower desire, if, if it's the husband or the wife, that the thresholds to get to where there's uh, drive or sexual arousal, sexual pinging, if you will, in the body or even in the brain are, are higher to meet when you've got a lot of stress because there's just a lot of layers that are getting in the way of it. You kind of, you know, it's the, 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 the brain is just flooded with cortisol in a lot of ways, uh-huh. right? That, that, that it just tamps everything down. Right. And so sexual desire to get through that is harder. And so that's why a lot of times when it, what I've come across that I really do like, love about the framework of spontaneous versus responsive drives or desires, uh-huh. which is similar verbiage to higher desire, lower desire, um, that the responsive desire sometimes has to respond to something, which that just means it's a decision to interject yourself into a situation where your body might catch up to it. Right. (laughs) Right. So you put yourself in the environment and you see where, again, I don't know. I don't, I'm just saying this through in real time, I guess, as we're talking, there's an element, I think for men, if we go back to the conversation we had earlier of, if I have a chance, I might fail at it. I'm, I have a more likelihood of avoiding it. I don't know if I want to decide a situation I'm not interested in and just show up and see what might happen. Because mm-hmm. to men, if I can't get an erection, it's a failure rather than I've got other things that can still bring about pleasure for me and for her, her more, most importantly, regardless of if my penis works or not in right. the manner I'm hoping it does. Right. And so it's, it's coming to grips with how, where is my identity when it comes to who I am as a man, as a lover, as, as whatever in that moment. Yeah. And I think this is another thing that a lot of men need to recognize is that it is not terribly uncommon to have erection difficulties now and again, Yeah, like, you know, everything's not going to perform exactly. So I think a lot of women are more willing to say, oh, this isn't working for me, or, you know, we're going to have to pull out the lubricant because this isn't working for me. And I guess there's not really the same option for a man. He can't just be like, well, let me just pull out the lubricant and that's going to give me direction. <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, right. but, um, there's, there's medicinal things and pharmaceutical things out there well, that you yes, can there are. go to, but it's still one of those things of like, I, I get, I, it is a hard corollary because I think women, as they age and all of a sudden lubrication changes, I'm sorry. I, sh- I shouldn't laugh you, but you said it is a hard corollary. Hard cor- yeah. Okay. <laughs> thank you. Com- comedic value. I'm sorry. Well, well I'm 13. <laughs> <laughs> You're 13 in your fifties. I guess. Um, but it's, there's the corollary of women that are premenopausal, menopausal and lubric have lubrication issues. Right. That's it's, it's still some, some for some women can be, wait, I got to get the lube goes against the belief of, yeah, but I should just naturally respond to this and well, have that's multiple levels of lubrication going on and where I never need it rather than realizing, wait, that's, that just enhances the enjoyment. What's the problem? Right. And so again, it's the same kind of structure underneath. I think that both genders need to address when it comes to, is their body working in the manner it used to, or I wish it would, or hope it will, because it's, there's always will be times where it's not going to. Yeah. And I will also just say this men, when wives say it's not a big deal now and then for you to have erectile difficulty, they really mean it. Like I just, I have just heard from enough women that they're like, well, it's not the big deal. We just did something else. Or, you know, I mean, if it continues to happen and you don't address it, if it's a real problem and you're not addressing it. 
right. then, then that's something else. But it really, it really doesn't make her think, wow, my guy, you know, is not, is not some great lover. It just, that's not right. how we connected in our brains. Right. Uh, most wives are, are really just as impressed as what he can do with his hand. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, anyways, when you, so if we want to, yeah, if we want to just be blunt about this, Jay, there's an element of if for clitoral stimulation, a penis isn't necessarily a good tool. No, it's not. <laughs> so yeah. it, it, it is recognizing, okay, there's a lot of other things that I'm capable of doing right. when things don't go the manner in which I wish that they would have, or something mm-hmm. shifts. And I guess it's just the, the, the imperative then is on each person in this uh, situation showing up as best they can and then overcoming our difficulties. That's the statement of when you recognize we're going to have some problems with this. This could be a challenge. I'm going to be better at weathering the weathering than when they do come up, when they do show up. Right. Right. And I do think that the stress and also a lot of health issues yep. and men tend to have more cardiovascular issues. And that can be a problem too, because you know, y'all have to have blood flow yep. to get an erection. And so that can cause some problems. And then if a man doesn't feel confident about that, he may shy away because he feels like he's going to be a failure. Yep. Um, you know, I think more often than not, though, a higher desire wife would rather him just show up and give it a shot. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out this time. Okay. And maybe next time, you know, and that's, you know, the beauty of all of this being in a marriage is that you don't have any one single encounter defining right. sexual intimacy. Right. This is, this is a journey. This is, this is a long game that can right. go on. This, this one can go not so great and you can still have a fantastic sex life because you should have hundreds of other experiences to draw from. Well, I'm going to even posit though, Jay, that the not so great moments are actually what create the deeper level of profoundness and intimacy mm. within the marriage because of what you're capable of overcoming. Oh yeah. And redefining oh, yeah. the meaning of and challenging the beliefs within, because that's that element of, I mean, heaven forbid a marriage actually shift to where some of the main focus is just for her pleasure period. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, how, how awful would that be for all the women out there? Not at all. That's tongue in cheek completely. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> sounds okay to me. <laughs> absolutely. And, and, and it should be oh, that. my husband's listening. <laughs> far, far too often, you know, it's been a male-centric thing as far as society has gone, as far as the church has gone, that it's just focused on that. That's what culture has kind of set it up to be in a lot of ways. But that's not at all what it needs to be as we go forward, that it can be, look, I'm in this for you. I'm good with that. Let's go. Uh, you know, I can, I know I can be a conduit for your pleasure, honey. I'm in. And if it's something, if something, right. if I rise to the occasion and it can be for me, fantastic. If not, I get to revel in your pleasure. And that's just a redefining what goes on in the meaning that I attach to the things. Yeah. I had a woman come up to me after an event one time and, and just kind of want to talk to me privately. And she said, I just want to know, she said, my husband sometimes has erectile difficulties. And she said, when that happens, he just says he wants to, well, he wants to give her oral sex mm-hmm. so that she can reach her climax. And she said, I just feel guilty. It just, you know, just accepting that and being about me. I feel like it should be for him too, or whatever. And I, and I talked to her and said, is he taking pleasure from giving you pleasure? And she said, well, yeah, he says he loves to see me right. reach that. And I was like, Girlfriend just accept it as the generous <laughs> gift it is. Yep. I know that that is still something that is bringing you to intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's that idea of how do we take away someone else's joy in what they are offering to give when I say no. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that, that's far too often a common occurrence on where we have trouble receiving as humans. I think there's a, I have a personal belief that we have different areas of our lives, every single human that I have a real discomfort in receiving. It could be sexually. It could just be, um, I want to be grateful to something and tell, you know, help out with somebody and there. Thank you so much. And I play it off as, Oh, it was no big deal. It was on my way. I'm, rather than I just took away the blessing <laughs> of their thank you. Right. Right. And 
So how do I learn to receive? Because again, the two sides of the coin matter here that I can mm-hmm. make it about my partner. I can make it about the instance of their pleasure. And I likely have pleasure in that too. Right. And I also think I'm going to go back to what you said about the not so great moments and all of these things that we're talking about being able to say these things to your spouse, whether it's, I just want to pleasure you or, well, that didn't work out this time, maybe next time, right? Those kinds of things, they may feel awkward at the time, but that's a beautiful kind of intimacy just to be able to talk about your sexual intimacy openly and both observe what's happening yeah, and say, Hey, this is good. This is okay. Yeah. And that's, that makes me think of Jay, when we started this conversation with, with wives that are in this, uh, that, that play the higher desire and they have to kind of re-examine what, what's wrong with me. If, if he's not interested, because that's going with the culture of every guy should be interested. You look at a guy and he should be raring to go and all that kind of stuff. I almost hear that we've got to come back to that to make it to where you can have this conversation as a higher desire wife when you've been rejected and your self-talk is, and even your talk with him, because those are uncomfortable because it's real easy to say, I don't understand why you're not interested. Every other guy, you know, it's almost kind of what you're thinking rather than Mm -hmm. what is it that makes your husband unique in who they are? And their wiring, their experiences surrounding the subject, you know, their stress levels, their whatever, because that's a better likelihood of finding a solution rather than, well, this should work and then this should work, you know, because you're not taking into account the uniqueness of it. Yeah. And I will say, and one of the reasons that I've gotten to this is because I have kind of been everything. So my husband and I have been matched. I was the lower desire spouse after our kids were born. And then I became the higher desire spouse. And I have mostly been that the rest of our marriage. And when all of that kind of started happening, when he was not as interested as I was, I started having all those same thoughts. So I've kind of been through those. Yeah, I do remember, well, I remember crying and thinking this, any other guy would be happy to have a wife like me that wants to have sex. (laughs) Right. And first of all, not true. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Secondly, I don't want anybody else. So I wasn't thinking about anybody else. That's crazy. And he did want me. He just had, there were just other things happening that we had to figure out. And it also had to occur to me that, this was not different from when he was higher driving. I was lower driving. We had to figure that out. Yep. And so once kind of made all these shifts, so it took a little bit of time to make all these shifts, you know, it's, it's become something different where I'm able to process through that and say, this isn't, there's, there's something wrong with me and there's not something wrong with him. Right. Necessarily. Now there right. could be under certain circumstances, but for the most part, this is just something that we together have to figure out how to navigate. Right. And so there's some differences of it being the wife who's higher desire than the husband's higher desire, but it's still the same approach of, you know what? I want this more than you do. And we're going to have to navigate this. Mm -hmm. And that means let's figure out why you're not wanting it as much. Let me figure out where I can adjust my expectations and let's find a good middle ground. So does it also fix? We need, we need a, touch on this one too before we're done with our conversation that does okay. it also fit that the higher desire in our case we're talking about for wives has to ask themselves the questions of what's behind my desire level too because we can be seeking sex that's not life giving and you know <laughs> pleasurable yeah. for both and yeah you know, it can be very selfish or one-sided or slanted, or it's because this is what I'll talk about with, with men. A lot of times is we sexualize things that aren't sexual. Right. And so stress reason pornography for a lot of times guys struggle with pornography when they're younger, or even when they're older is it's not about sexual drive or curiosity at that point. It's about boredom and it's about anxiety and it's about, you know, all these other things that have nothing to do with our sex lives. 
Mm-hmm. And so I've got to separate those things out. But I'm assuming that we're talking about the same kind of thing could be going on with a wife that's the higher desire. She has to start asking herself at least some questions of what's behind my higher desire? What is, what's the sex that I'm actually seeking really about? And is it as right. genuine and as pure as it needs to be to enhance what it can be? Yeah, I'm smiling the whole time you're talking about yep. this because um, so I have been working on a book. It's not done yet, but I've been working a book for Higher Desire Wives. And I have a section in there that is about, okay, you know, we've talked about all these reasons for him. Let's talk about you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is it possible that maybe your desire for sex is not just a desire for sex that there's something else going on and something in your background or right it, it, because there can be and you know I mean one of the it's a it's a common joke out there in secular culture about women wanting sex a lot because they have quote-unquote daddy issues right but there's some psychology behind some of that as well yep and so that could be part of the thing of your your feeling that strong desire for male affection to the point that, and then you sexualize that. Yep. And so the attention and affection you get during sex is sating something that's not just sexual. Right. So that's just one example. There could be others. Um, But, you know, it's worth asking yourself, where is this coming from for me and whatever emotional needs I have, are they just about sex or there's some other ways that, that they could be met? Right. Yeah. Cause I think there's a lot that happens. I mean, there's a functional level to sex that we can all reach and many people taste and actually live a lot of their lives there. When it comes to, if you're in a sexual relationship in a marriage, a lot of the times um, it, it's functional. That's what keeps it at that level, but to get to the deeper profound or as Schnarch would refer to him as the blessed few, mm-hmm. you're talking about more meaningful showing up, which isn't just the motivation of having sex for sex sake or the motivation of I've been really stressed and I know this helps me sleep or the motivation of this helps me feel affection and love when it really isn't sexual affection and love. It's something deeper that I could find in other ways. And so if, you, if you're describing kind of what you're saying of what's behind either side of this, this equation, what's behind the role that you play in it? Right. Because that's a good question to ask. And, and neither a husband nor wife who's hired desire should be using their spouse right. just as a tool to meet some right. need. Right. So, you know, you've got to be careful about that, that you're not just saying, Hey, I just need you to come. Oh, and this is the thing we, tell people not to say, I really need a release. So you need right. to have sex with me. It's right. like, what? That's no. no. Yeah. I, you, <laughs> so it, the question is, are you wanting is sex a way of you wanting to really be intimate with your husband? Right. Cause that's what it's supposed to be. Right. And that's, and that's the stuff that we, we have such a struggle as humans being, is, is recognizing, um, I really want this, this deeper showing up, knowing and being known, but I'm also at the same time kind of scared of it at times, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Because what if they actually read, I'm not as into it as I thought, or what if it's, I can't perform what I thought? I mean, that's kind of what we've been talking about the whole way through of, it's really just challenging the beliefs I've got on where they came from and where are they now? What's, what's serving me uh-huh. well now that w- maybe I need to re- reevaluate because it's not serving me as well as it could be. Yeah. I think that's where that honesty is important. And also, I guess this is just going to go along with my brand. I think humor is important too. Absolutely. <laughs> to just, you know, have that attitude of something went awry and being able to laugh about it Yep. Uh, and just kind of get through it. I mean, some of the fun moments in our marital bedroom have been humorous moments. Absolutely. So you know, where, <laughs> I mean, the, I joke about the one where it's like, you know, something, he thinks he's doing something great. And so I'm like, ow, 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 you're on my hair. You're on my hair, right. you know, <laughs> <laughs> right. which is, uh, <laughs> right. you know, it could be whatever. That's just a, a simple one, but we kind of have to get to where we can lighten up about it also. Yeah. It's, it's both profound and lighthearted. Yeah. 
that that's a good combination. So it so is Jay, how, uh, those, the members of the SMR nation that want to find you more, uh, to listen to the podcast you have to read what you, and then also be on the lookout for the book that you're working on. How, how can they find you? The best place to find me is hot, holy And there you can find stuff about, uh, podcasts. I am involved with two podcasts, sex chat for Christian wives with three other co-hosts and then also knowing her sexually with one other woman where it's four husbands. And we just try to explain to husbands, the wife's perspective on sex. So Good. not telling them what to do, just kind of hoping to okay. let them know. And then uh, I'm also happy to do some speaking. I've got books and uh, everything's pretty much there. And if you want to find me on social media, you can look hot, holy humorous as well. And you'll find Perfect. me. Perfect. I'll put, I'll put the main link to the site on the, in the show notes. So Jay, beautiful. it's such a pleasure to connect with you again and uh, all the best and blessings on you as 2022 gets rolling and good things are to come. I hope. Great. I'm looking forward to it. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So one of the things that stands out to me, babe, is this idea that, um, the dynamics that are at play in marriage, um, they're almost universal. Right. In the sense that um, there's a higher desire, low desire is how we've always framed things. Sure. Yeah. Um, the the plot that each person or the or the lot that each person has and mm-hmm. in, in wherever they are in that dynamic uh, has a lot of similarities, but also enough variance to make it unique to where there's not a one size fits all path. Oh, right. There's, yeah. there's not a, here is the answer. I say this with my clients when, when yeah. we're talking about stuff, they're like, you know, if we could have been the ones that have, could create the key mm-hmm. to unlocking what it is we all long for in marriage, we would have been the world's fastest trillionaire mm-hmm. because everybody's seeking it, but there's so many variances and variables at play. Right. But the flip side of that is we all are in the same boat on the journey that we have. Right. And the struggles that we have. And there's nuances in there, but man, there's a whole lot of similarities. Yeah, still. most of us are, are looking for a similar goal. And so we can we can take comfort in that mm-hmm. and knowing, wait, I'm not alone. I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not abnormal mm-hmm. or an anomaly. And so that's what we hope uh, each and every week with, with Sexy Marriage Radio, you, you just kind of understand, hey, we're not alone in this journey. Mm-hmm. Even if you're in a marriage where you feel alone, Mm-hmm. We're not alone in this journey because the nation's here. Um, there's other people out there, and sometimes it just takes the courage to reach out, ask some questions, and maybe you reach out to a show like this mm-hmm. and and ask your question, and we'll answer it. And we'll even keep you anonymous, no problem mm-hmm. at all, because we want to help people uh, find their path that helps them create a little more passion and connection. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. If we left something undone, let us know. 214-702-9565 or feedback at sexymergeradio.com. We'll see you next time.